This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Making the most of now. Young women in Otatahi Christchurch, New Zealand, talk about living through the earthquakes, the mosque shootings, and the COVID-19 pandemic. These oral histories were recorded by Louise Tapper and Rosemary Duplice. Thanks to the Christchurch branch of the National Council of Women, the Collaborative Trust, and UC Quake Studies. Naomi is a 28-year-old healthcare worker who grew up in Fiji. She tells us her story today. Right. Let's start with you um, telling me a bit about your life at the moment. doesn't have to be a whole long story, but what are you doing in terms of work and study and where you're living and how you see things at this particular point of time, late March 2021? Long story short, I'm just taking a day at a time. I'm working as a healthcare assistant. I live in Bishopdale with um, my mom and a brother of mine is just in Form 3. From one year of the pandemic that has happened, it has made us really to be aware of whatever is happening around us, to listen to the news more often. We often do not listen to the news, but now every now and then we have to listen to the news. And... um, think about what we eat and who we interact with in general. Yes, yes. And you're working as a healthcare worker. Yeah. So, yeah. so in what capacity are you working in terms of health, caring for elderly people? Elderly people. I'm okay. caring for elderly people yes. at, in a rest home here in Christchurch. Okay, right. And were you doing that before? Yes, every day. It's still the yes. same, Yes, but just a wee bit um, we have um, we are not ha- working as much as we used to so we have cut down on the hours from there okay so when did you start working in the rest home and providing health care for elderly people I started working in November 2013 and you came to work there when you came to Christchurch? I came as a student here yes, uh, from Fiji. Mm-hmm. And when I came here, I was a student back home as a nursing student. And then when I came here, due to the problem we have back at home, this shot of employment and things like that, I saw that it was a greater opportunity to live independently here and to try to support my own self. So I applied for a work visa here and I soon got it from there. So let's go back a bit in time um, to the time when you came to Christchurch in 2013. So you weren't here for the major quakes in 2010 and 2011, Mm -hmm. but you did arrive in a city that was experiencing the effects of the quakes and still having aftershocks. Can you tell me a bit about what it was like to come to Christchurch at that point in time? Um, Well, 
when I first arrived in Christchurch in July, it was really cold. The first thing I experienced was cold. Um, and then um, the second thing I noticed was there were road damages and uh, there weren't many people that I saw. And uh, I asked my family, uh, why is this, you know, this is what I don't experience back at home. Why am I seeing things like this? And the first thing that they said was it was because of the earthquake. You will feel the aftershock sometime in life. So I never knew what aftershock is until I experienced some of it mm. when I arrived. Uh, so first thing I wanted to do is fly back home, <laughs> but I got used to it. Um, the sec the things that I experienced with the earthquake thing was um, there were a lot of people who were depressed at that moment. They were just in their own bubble, uh, but. When there was an aftershock, people came together and just check on each other. Uh, what are you doing? Are you okay at your own home? So that was one thing I kind of experienced after that, after the big earthquake. People really cared what was other people doing, if they were okay or not. Mm-hmm. And can, do you remember the first time you ever experienced an aftershock? We were back in our old house that was in 46 Murray Avenue. No, that was, sorry, that was in uh, Avonhead. And um, the first time was at night. So that's why I wanted to go back home because it was at night. We never experienced that. And after a while, there was a big shaking. It was a kind of like long five minutes shake. Wasn't a big thing for me. So I was like, what was happening? Why is this thing going on? Uh, first thing that my parents did was came to check on us if we were okay. And then we went to the neighbors next to us and to ask if they were okay as well. But it was... I remembered it was in the middle of the night, around about 2 a.m. in the morning. Yes, very late. So it was unexpected. And then you knew what it was like. And your first impulse was, I don't want to stay. I don't want to stay here. So what persuaded you to stay? Um, the thing that persuaded for me to say, stay is back then I had my dad as well. He just passed away two years ago. Oh. So oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, he was the one who told us that whatever we go through in life, joy comes in the morning. So there was always one sentence that helps me keep me keeps me motivated until now. Joy comes in the morning. So yeah. Well, that's lovely. So he was a bit of an optimist. A very, a very big one. And had they moved here before you came or did you come here with them? They moved here 13 years ago. They migrated from Fiji to here. Uh, they saw an opportunity uh, for 
for them to come here and work and bring us as a family to come and live with them. But I saw that Fiji was my home. I couldn't leave Fiji. So I stayed back. Uh, but my parents moved here first. Yeah. And with your younger brother? And my younger brother, yes. Yeah. And so that was the time in Fiji you were doing your nursing? Yes, my high school and my nursing. So I didn't want to come to a foreign country. I still want to be, since I was small back then, my head was wrapped around Fiji a lot. So I didn't see why I should move from where I call home mm -hmm. to develop another setting and call that place another home. So how does it feel now in terms of Christchurch and Fiji in terms of home? Like I said to my family, I feel like this is my second home now from, from where I've start, started from till now. Um, the environment, the friendliness, it has um, the obstacles, the challenges. It has made me more of a stable, independent person now to see myself that I can still move on when I have a will for it. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm proud to call this my second home. Yeah. And at a time of challenge as well, like the aftershocks and your experience of them. So how soon did you get involved in your current employment for the rest home? Um, the current, um, they, they supported me. Your parents? Yes. Um, they were such a backbone to what am I today? Yeah, and who am I today? I feel I give all the credits to them. And I come from a religious background too. So church was one thing that motivated me to keep on moving forward. Whatever the circumstances that's been thrown to me, it has challenged me and motivated me that there's another bigger thing, bigger, better thing ahead of me. So that has. So when you came here, you didn't only come into your parents' family, but you came into a church community. Church yeah. community, yes. I came here as just a, to visit my parents. That's the whole thing. I just came as a visitor. So when I came in, I saw a big opportunity. So from there, I took a step. The thing I find from you have to be willing to step out and reach out to for help when you need help uh, you do not know what the other person is going through so if you do need help you have to reach out so did you learn that or did you really know it when you were first no came? i learned that i learned that the hard way <laughs> I learned that. In, when you need help you need to re reach mm. out for help yes, yes. Yeah. So can you give an example in that early time when you were here, coming into Christchurch, into a city that had these opportunities, but which was also in a bit of distress after mm -hmm. the earthquakes? Um, 
The first thing is when I came in, I came in as a visitor visa. Mm -hmm. So it was, there's uh, certain things that you can do with that type of visa. You can just visit, not work. So the first thing you need to do is call immigration. Ask them what you need to do in order to change from what visa you have you have to apply for another yeah. visa. And from then I had um, my mom who helped me look for jobs. And then I took up community work in a Fijian community to look after children, after school. Those were the things that taught me that whatever you need in life, you need to go for it. So yes. So you first did voluntary work in the Fijian community yes. here in Christchurch. Yes. And then you found out about the job in the rest home. Rest home. And, and you made the app. But first of all, you had to have your work visa. Work visa, yes. yes. So with that, it was a support from the community, support from your parents, support from everyone else. And for you as yourself to actually oh. go and do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that was... So yes. you didn't have to go back to Fiji to get the work no. visa. You could do it while you were still... You're still yes. in Christchurch. Mm -hmm. Yes. So how long did that take? It took me a year to first to get used to the weather. <laughs> and second to motivate me myself that in order for you to live independently you have to do this by yourself because back at home it's a different scenario you you know you have your own house your own things that you can just relax but when you come to another place you have to work for it so i think the big thing that made me who i am today is the support of my parents and my community and the church. Yeah. Yes. And getting that work visa that then enabled you. So by the time you made your application for the rest home job, you'd been here about a year. Yes. And you were more confident, confident about being in, in Christchurch. In, in, in and what Christ you had church. to offer. Um, <laughs> what I had to offer is um, it's because Every month or every season has its challenges. So I think the due to the earthquake situation that has just happened, I had to adapt on the weather first and how people re react to, like, with me. Um, in Christchurch, what I found out was they were really scared at night and things like that because of due to the COVID, uh, the earthquake mm. so because i didn't experience that from fiji i had to live in a country for a year to know that to put myself in someone else's shoes on what they went through i didn't go through the earthquake but i saw it in the news how terrible it was and i just had to put myself in someone else's mm. shoes the stories i've learned from them I, I love to sit around and just have a chat with people who went through that. That was one thing that made me realize how much they went through, things that they lost. Um, 
it was quite a lot. And working in a rest home too made me realize in how grateful I am to actually skip <laughs> yeah of coming yeah. yes mm. but uh, they yeah. they made me realize how you know the earthquake they went through was quite a lot and it made me to be forever grateful of what i have now mm. yes. exactly. so that's really interesting thank you very much so is there anything else you'd like to say about you have spoken one of the questions was the impact of the quakes on you and it was your awareness of what other people had experienced yes. and your asking questions of them and your interest in hearing their stories very interesting and then you trying to contribute your own positivity because you were also facing challenges of being in a new and cold place, especially in winter. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yes. Uh, I think that season in time was more of the role I was learning to know more about Christchurch. I didn't experience that, but listening to people from the rest home mm. about their lives and what they've gone through, the earthquake. Mm. Um, it made me realize how fortunate I am yeah. Yeah. to still be living now. Yeah. So let's talk about now going ahead of time mm. to the mosque shootings, okay. which was another challenge for the people of Christchurch, March 2019. Mm. And we've just been thinking a lot about it recently because mm. we've just the date of the yeah. two years since it. So what are your memories of that time? I come from a country where we interact a lot with the Muslim, the Muslim community. And one, um, uh, I have a friend who comes from that community as well. The first thing that I remembered last year, the other year, is when that shooting happened. First thing I had to do is text my friend if she was in. It took her an hour to reply back. <laughs> and I was like so grateful that she replied. She didn't go to the mosque though, but it was an unfortunate event that happened. Yeah. So she. You texted her because you were concerned for her. She could have been she at the mosque. She yeah. could have been at the mosque. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, providing that she replied an hour later, it gave me that anxiety. And, mm. oh, my gosh, is my friend okay? And kept on checking the news and things like that. Yeah. And so what did you hear from her about the effects of that on her friends and community? It was just one uh, to to where she says I'm okay. Uh, we usually text sentences and sentences of text with each other, but when she said those two words, I knew I had to go to her and actually check on her personally rather than just the text. I was at work, so soon after work I went to her house. And to check. Did you participate in any of the more public events? 
Did you watch those on television or were you physically there? I watched those on television mm -hmm. and when it was my days off, I went to put some flowers with my friend mm -hmm. that site because it's just a 15 minutes drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So did you go with your friend who's yes. part of the community? Yes. Okay, so let's now look at these the COVID-19 period. Again, it, almost exactly a year since we went in, we, since it was announced we were going into mm -hmm. lockdown, and then we went into lockdown. Can you tell me a bit about what that experience was, taking yourself back to that time when did your family first hear that we were going into lockdown and what did that mean for you as someone working in, in a restaurant? Uh, first thing that we had to do, we had to do a family meeting. So it was me, mom and my little brother. We had to reschedule everything so that it could work for, for everyone. Um, the one thing we've We've learned over the past years, family is very important. You need to look after your family and look after each other. Uh, so one thing we had to do is rearrange our schedule time so that it can go be parallel to what our employer wants as well. So there's some advantages of COVID, I think, and there was a disadvantage. The advantages is we had to, because we spend less time with family, it was one way that, you know, you have to spend time with your family, uh, make sure what the other person is doing and what his schedule is. So... That was one thing I've learned. So you took your three schedules, your brother, who was home from school, yes. and your mother with her work, work commitments, and, and then you I with work your And we had to blend everything together so that it could fit each other. So we had to go back to work and ask, because we both were on day duties, but one of us had to be on night so that it can fit my brother's schedule because mm. he was at home mm. the whole time. So it was his last two years in primary school, so he couldn't be alone yeah. in the home. So my mom asked if she could work as a night shift. I work as a day shift. I come back. I look after my brother. She goes to work. Come back and then she and so what work was your mother doing at the time? She was a diversional therapist at the moment, so she had to change to a um, carer so that she can just. So that was a major major change for her. For her, um, but she's happy now. She says, um, "I think." You know, sometimes you just have to sacrifice some things in order to fit into this. So that was a major thing, looking at the schedules, how you and your of mother everyone. were going to ensure that the safety you were here of during the day for your brother yeah. and that there was someone at night to yeah. for your brother. I'm always on a day and afternoon uh, shifts. Yeah. So I had to ask the employer too if we could 
if I'm on afternoon, I can be all in afternoon or in the morning. I'm a day morning mm. due to my brother who's at home. They were very pleased to help, which was a good thing as well. Yes. Well, they would obviously be wanting you to continue in your employment at that time <laughs> yes. because they would still have yep. the residence yes, to look to care for. Yes. Um, but due to that, because we were all thinking the same goal, um, it was quite easier for them to, to just roster one person on a day shift and on the afternoon and on the night. Yes. So, yes. I work a 7 to 3, 7 a.m. I start on a 7 a.m. to a 3 p.m. afternoon. So I come home and then I look after my brother, do everything, and then my mom takes takes off for a night, comes back, then I go back in the morning. So, it so have you stayed with that arrangement or now your brother is back at school? We have shifted a bit. So that was the rescheduling. Anything else? Was life different providing that service under lockdown? Um, what about families visiting residents? What about the use of hand sanitizer, checking in? Um, care for you um, in order to ensure that you were not exposed and the residents were not exposed to COVID-19? I feel the uh, at workplace they provided much of a great help of ensuring the safety of us as workers and the safety of the residents in at the home. So what they did was you have to only have one shift. We usually have like, we could do two shifts in the day, but they made it in a way that we can only do one shift so that we have time to change, um, hand sanitize. We have to come in at work on a different outfit, change into a different outfit. After work, then you change into a different outfit, then you come. So in work-wise, Keep it, ensuring that the residents were safe and up and us as well. It was a big deal. So that was one thing. It was such a great hassle, but it made us aware of what was happening around us. Mm -hmm. So the change that they brought about was, you know, in order to keep so keep us all healthy, we had to follow those rules in order to go back to the normality. And we had to make sure that um, since me and my mom worked on a different rest home, uh, we had to ensure in a way that we don't interact. So I ensured people at work that by the time I arrive, she has gone. So it was... We had to work in such a way that we protect. You were working in one rest home during the day and she was working in another, another rest home. home. And in, well, in both cases, those were vulnerable, vulnerable people. Yes, yes. So it came to a space where I went to our employer and said, if this is the case, I do not want to put my family to. I'm willing to move in to someone else house or you know us single people renting a house together that work in the same company 
and they were they said they would help with that uh, if we go up to level yeah yeah level four but after that we came back to level three I so it was oh we had a board here to write our schedule what we had to do so we're kind of like a planner type of people so uh, we were very strict in interacting and things like so that. So when you came in, when you would go out. Yes. So you were using the, the same facilities, the same shower and toilet and yes. and kitchen and everything, mm-hmm. but you were not like as close as you and I are mm-hmm. now. Yes. So And your brother had to manage that as well. My brother. So he was to. only 11 or 12 yes. at the time. Yes, yes. So uh, it was, the things are like work-wise was good, but things in the family, the interaction and everything like that was a total different environment. Very so we were, we were in a house, but we didn't interact. Yeah. Very hard. Very hard. <laughs> And that was for four weeks. So um, your brother at the time was doing school online? Yes, so um, it was really hard. But we we had to do some things that would fit. Yes. So what about your wider Fijian community, your church community? How did you inter- did you continue to interact with them online? How did you manage to do that? So <clears throat> the good thing was, uh, since social media was around, there was a lot of Zoom meeting and online Bible studies and things like that. So that was one way that we could, you know, we were in the same house, but we could actually learn things without going so normally you'd be going into church for that sort of bible study and prayer meetings mm-hmm. and church services but all of that had to be online mm-hmm. did you do it through your yes. television yes and on it the was big screen on a big screen and it was funny we were like sitting away from each other in the same house <laughs> doing those things it was such a a huge, you know, a huge difference in our pro in our life program, especially at home. We're so we're so impact as a family, but then due to the COVID, we had to make sure we follow these rules to keep each other safe. Mm-hmm. Whatever we need to do, that was one thing that was always on our minds to keep each other safe. And in the rest home, were you wearing masks? Um, you would come in your clothes from home, you yeah, would change, change, you would get into uniforms, yes. and then you would put Take on the masks. temperature and everything if we your were own okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when we are, everything is thick with us, then we are allowed to work. But if not, we'll be sent home back. So there was a whole procedure when you Proceed. arrived, changing your clothes, taking your temperature. Yeah. And was there some supervisor who then said, yes, you're okay to go yes. on the ward? Yes, mm-hmm. there was. So everything at work was 
organized in such a way that you don't bring in anything and you don't bring it out. So, yeah. So we had to do that with the three of us here as well. So Because we work both on a different restaurant yes. and we're so aware of my little brother as well. So, yeah. That was my thing. <laughs> so... Um, did you have you had a supportive community of other rest home workers, the staff, um, and with some of those friends who you would normally see out of work as well? The one thing that made us interact is phone calls. That was the only way because we couldn't go to them. We were thinking more of what we would give to them if we got something so we were just thinking in everyday life was we need to keep each one safe so in order to do that the best way is just do video calls mm -hmm. so how did you manage shopping and food preparation and things like that so with uh food preparation mom only does the shopping she was the only one person who is allowed to do the family shopping and everything is in food preparation. If I cook, then I, we, I'm just cooking for the three of us. So with that, that was quite easy. But for the going out shopping, it was mom, just one just person. One person that that's just what one person in the bubble doing the shopping. Yes. So and we did it like risk. one month. Ooh. Yeah. So... Bought just a lot of food at once. Mm, not really, because we were just the three of us. Yes. So, and me and my brother, we don't eat that much. So, yes, she mm. just saw what would fit us That's in one month. Mm. It was one way of saving money, too, to be honest. Did you save money? <laughs> save a time? lot over that period of time. So presumably, at the rest home, did you get lunch when you were working? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, they provided everything, mm. but you know, as time goes goes on, because it was such a long period of time where things were like that, and it has um, you needed some you know someone to talk to because you know you have to distance. So that period of time, I found that what I've developed was depression. Uh, that was one thing that I faced. Uh, because I'm such a interacting person, one thing I faced during the COVID was depression. It was, you know, whatever was going through was building up in my head. Um, and uh, you wanted you have to in your head you like you have to keep that one safe so you have to stay in in this space so that was one what what had helped me honestly was um, my spiritual growth yeah to overcome that depression time so when did you start to feel depressed a few weeks after two weeks, yes. after two weeks, after two weeks. And how did that feel for you? Was it that you are normally an optimistic person, thinking the best and feeling positive mm -hmm. and it was harder? 
it feels hostage. It was because um, I'm always thinking of being positive, being positive. But when you actually face things like you don't talk to someone or some people for a long period of time, it feels you're being caged up. So that was one thing I felt like everything was um, in. Like, I'm not taking it out. Yeah. So you felt restricted? Restricted, yes. In terms of everything, my, my advice is, is you have to find other ways to help yourself when you're stuck in those kind of situations. Like I knew I couldn't ask anyone else to help me due to the restriction. So what I need to do is take a walk and look for things I could do to make me happy. So there was a program that was going online that you have to set up teddy bears. So that was one thing I found to take my mind off things through the teddy bear thing. So we had to take, me and my brother had to go for a walk and look for teddy bears and take pictures with it. Yeah. So that was helpful to you. Yes. It was and that was other people also putting their teddy bears, teddy bears. out for display. Yes. And you put teddy bears yes. out for display. So one one day we had to make up, come up with ideas what we could do with the teddy bears. Yes. So that, that made me think to keep me out from thinking of so many things that was going on. Yeah. 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 And so you said you felt you couldn't ask other people to help you because you weren't so much in contact with them. Mm. But did you talk on the phone to any friends about this or did you see it more as your responsibility to try and do something about the depression? I It was both ways. So I talked to them. I talked to other people about what I'm feeling. They also talked about the same thing that they were feeling. So in my head, what can I do to to take this feeling away. So I I think I'm going to say I'm blessed, not lucky. So I'm blessed when I went through this thing online, um, they were showing teddy bears on display. So I joined that group and then there were like people all over New Zealand, they were doing those teddy bears. So you have to go through the community and like, see from houses to houses what they display with their teddy bears. So I think help is there. Mm. You just need to reach out. Mm. Yes. When did things start to change? There was this difficult period, these four weeks oh, of yeah. the strict level four lockdown. Then we went to level three. Did that make a difference for you? Into level three and then went back to level four. Well, yeah. 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 Well, yes. So you, yes. So and then three, then two, two, then three again. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, what, what I went through that week. My best friend was planning a wedding, so it was hard. <laughs> it was hard uh, because um, f- 
from that level going up going down going up going down i had to provide support too for my friend keeping telling my friend it's going to be okay we're going to get through this somehow someday but hopefully we'll get through we'll get through this so did the wedding take place and did yes. it take place when we were at level one yes it just took place on the February 20th this year. So, you know, because the preparation was quite... We, we, you need to book some of the things and you can't book it because they're saying you can't book it because of these levels that we've been going through. And uh, that was one thing we found very frustrating, very depressing and other kind of negative emotions. So were you a bridesmaid at this wedding? I was the maid of honor. Maid of honor, yes. Mm. And it made more life difficult. (laughs) (laughs) So you had responsibilities. Had responsibilities. You had the significant role. Significant role role of, uh, you know, booking the dresses and those other things that maid of honor should do. And then keeping, like, calling up the bride as well because uh, we had to get some things from Fiji um, and due to the lockdown it was it was very hard to say so was this a Fijian ser- yeah, the, the Fijian yes Fijian ser- and was she marrying someone who was Fijian as yes, well yes and was it part of your church community too? was it part of yes. our church community so in a way we saw how God blessed us through through that um, it was a difficult moment but at the end we were happy yeah. so was the date adjusted to be later yes Yes. So that you could be more confident, confident, confident that we wouldn't be at an alert level two or three or four. <laughs> it was supposed to be last year, uh, December. Mm-hmm. That was the date. Yeah. Uh, but in then we saw that that couldn't happen, so we moved it to December for to be December this year, and we saw that that wouldn't happen too because. We were planning to take the wedding to Fiji, but due to the, there's no way, the border being closed, there's no way. So we had to shift the wedding until February for it to be done. Yeah. So the uh, plan was December in Fiji. Yes. 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 But that was not going to happen. So So instead you got things from Fiji and you incorporated Incorporated them into the wedding ceremony ceremony. in February. Even though there were a lot of people that were missing from her venue, but I I felt like whatever the bride needed on that day, that was all she wanted. And uh, everything had to be rearranged. Uh, to feed on whatever, okay, uh, like the environment that was, you know, you need to be realistic on some things. Um, And one thing that we had to do is the people that she needed the most to be here in New Zealand couldn't make it, so we had to make videos of them. So there was one way of them participating too in the wedding, 
regardless of the borders being closed. So they made videos back in Fiji and they sent Sample. them and then you showed them during yes. the wedding during ceremony. The wedding. Yes. And did you video the wedding ceremony? Yes, and showed, yeah, yeah. and video it back home. So that was yeah. one way we had to figure things out on how we could, you know, come about these challenges. Because one of the questions here was, has any particular event or incident that came about because of the pandemic really affected you? And it seems to me that wedding and yes. planning it and your responsibilities as maid of honour was a big factor. A big factor. Not just in the immediate <laughs> lockdown period over the whole year yeah. until February of this year. Yeah. yeah. Getting that wedding ceremony right yes. given the border closures. Yes. And then and then during February there was a the Auckland there was a case in Auckland. Yes. So some of our relatives are in Auckland. And the bra and the groom is in Hamilton. So I was just like, wow. <laughs> yes. And we went into level two yes. with more restrictions, no more than 100 people, 100 people. and social distancing mm. and all those things. And also in your place of work, each time we went to, to, level, the, to, to the levels, we had yes. to go up. Mm. So if the if Christchurch was in level three, we're in level four. I see. At the rest home. At the rest home. So, yes. So... Every time you um, the crashes is in level two, we're in level three. three. Just and then keep... that has implications for your home as well. Yes, because you have to behave like level, level three is. at home, home because you're providing care yeah. at level three. Yes. So this year has been a challenging year throughout the years. I mean, due to the uh, the COVID that has happened, not just at workplace but within our family as well. So we have to reshift and shift our schedule to keep everyone safe. And your brother has been in school and then at times more restricted in terms of yes. schooling. The good thing is about my brother, we kind of like tell him and he understands the situation that we are going through. I think the main factor here is you have to sit down as a family mm -hmm. and try to speak to the children and to the parents of whatever is going through with your family mm. so that they too, they too will understand yeah. whatever. Yes. yes, so it was a big challenge. Mm. So what do you think were the most, most difficult things of this year of the pandemic? The most difficult thing is to, because everyone is in their bubble, you know, we are human beings, we need to talk to each other. So that was one thing that really, I find it the difficult thing is non-interacting. And what were the potentially best things or about the, your life in lockdown? Was there anything? To be honest, positive? saving. <laughs> <laughs> you you save, save a lot money. of money. And the second thing is you, you... You spend more time in knowing whatever the situation is going through in life. Yes. So you experience different life situations and you have to have some 
solutions yes. or strategies. strategies in order to fit in into whatever situation you are going through. So that is one thing I love about my family is the, we know things are happening, so we have to plan out. So I think that's the main thing has family in order for you to get through something you need to plan out this is the problem what you need to do and what are these with the goal to achieve you can now you know you can do that mm. whatever, comes, whatever comes you can work it out yes, yes yes the thing is we have different days there's a high days and there's a your lowest moments in life um, but try try the lowest moments in life is to find something that will get you back into your happy life. Yes. So, because uh, I was one in that moment, in that COVID period of time, mm. I was depressed. But I was lucky enough to find the Teddy community group online. I, online. Mm. That made me a happy person after that. So, because you did things, you and you. You took photos and then you sent those photos to other people, other people online. Yes. yes. And you felt connected. Yeah, connected. Even with people you had never met never before. Never met before. Never met. They were every in, you know, in different parts of New Zealand. But that was one way that, yeah, it made me interact with them. <laughs> and it brought, it lifted your mood. Lifted it, the mood. Lifted our spirits up. Even though we weren't even connected in somehow so i know help is out there you just need to reach out yeah yeah the last questions was what do you think could be done to make things better particularly for young women in new zealand and in christchurch coping with these sorts of challenges in their lives which they would not have expected a year ago I was just sharing on social media why we need to speak up. Uh, people don't realize how much they're going through because no one is talking about it. One thing I find out about these challenges, you need to speak up about it so that other people know it is normal what they're going through. Just because some people are not talking about it, whatever they're going through, they think no one else is going through the same thing that they're going through. So they tend to close off. And I think that's when depression and things like that comes about because they don't see that normally on a wider range. So I feel when you, pe young people, women should talk more about this on social media mm. rather than, you know, you talk about your clothes or things like that. Let's talk about something that's affecting us personally and individually so i was sharing on my social media why you know i want an environment where when i speak about things i'm not being judged or being criticized i'm being i'm speaking about mental issues or things like that no to tell the other person that i do not know whatever he or she is going through it's normal yes <laughs> Well, that is great. Thank you very much. So what social media do you use? What? I use Instagram a lot. You use Instagram. Yes. I feel that most youth and yeah, young generation mm -hmm. in our days, mm -hmm. they use Instagram a lot. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, so that is one way I communicate and share my thoughts and yes. opinions. So, and you think it would be good for other young women yes. to share and speak up, not just about things like clothes and appearance, mm, appearance. and achievement, achievement. but the things, emotional emotion side. side, because that is one thing that most people are not talking about, what we're going through individually, because they feel, like sometimes I feel when I put those things up, I'm being judged. But I'm always saying, like, you never know the things that you post, it's helping the other person. So I'm just on a positive, being an optimistic kind of person I am. So I'm just putting it out out there. Whoever this may help, may help. So do you get responses? I do. I do. I get huge responses from not only my followers, but other people as well. Going like this is what I was going through last week, um, and I think that was one thing that we have to target is speak more about it, so that other women and other people out there know whatever they they are going through is normal. And the people who follow you, there are there people who you work with, other staff members, people in your church community, or wider than that. Wider than that. Yes, right. wider than that. Um, I feel, I always say that when you have something, you try to inspire other people in whatever you're going through, whether it's a bad thing or a good mm. thing, just try to inspire other people. Mm. And you're talking not just about your feelings mm. and the low times and the high times. You're talking about your experiences. Yes. But you're also talking about what works for you, yes. in terms of change? In terms of change, yes. That was what worked for me. I spoke it out, you know. You don't have to hide it. Uh, and before I spoke it out, I felt that I was, I'll be judged from speaking it out. I just want this to be, you know, to be out there that don't worry about being judged you're actually helping someone who's going through a hard time as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Thank you so much. You've answered all the questions oh my so well. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't covered that has been important for you in this COVID time that would be important for us to record? Mm, I think the important thing is to find a group that that will motivate you. I have uh, just four, five girls. We one one is the bride that I was just talking about. She's going to Hamilton. One is in French Joseph, and two more is in Christchurch, and one is in Auckland. So we have this uh, group of chat group where we just motivate each other. Uh, we know we don't have like those bright days, but when you have that group, you tend to go back into the chat group and just see how that person will lift up your spirit. So that is my main, find a group or a circle or a thing that will help you boost mm -hmm. 
happiness into your life. <laughs> That's great. The other thing I want to ask you before we finish is you said you had some plans for training mm. and doing some study as a nurse and getting your qualifications, yes. but that changed because of COVID. Could you say a bit about that? Um, so my plan when I came here was to work and have my own independent life and save up my own money to do my study. Um, so was doing that uh, until when COVID happened. I had to rearrange everything, you know, in terms of money-wise and things like that because things was just um, getting hard. Uh, and I had to prioritize some things. I know that I could study in life maybe two years after this, but I can't say I to hold someone else's safety into just, yeah. So I had to prioritize life. But yes, I'm looking forward to study mm -hmm. when the time is right. Yes. But I'll get back into that. Yes. So do you think that that will be when the COVID period is In, No, no, over? it's just... Or, um, or do you think it's just... You think you just need a bit more time doing what you're doing now? Yeah. I just need a little bit of time to do... Just to finish the things that I'm doing yeah. now. And the things that you want to finish is your work in the rest um, home or your work in the community with friends, your Instagram? The good thing about work, they're helping me achieve this. So that's one good thing about work, uh, to achieve my goal from the very beginning. So they're opening up pathways for study and yes. courses you can do that increase your skills yes, increase in providing skills. the healthcare, the healthcare to the where, residents. Yes, yes. So that is one good thing about at work momentum. Uh, but the thing is, it's the emotional and you know mental thing I'm going through every day. Yes. I just need time to actually have time for me. And then from there, I can carry on. Okay. Mm. One year of going through a lot of difficulties, this has taught me that you need to enjoy yourself. Yes, yes. <laughs> to How look at are. the bigger picture of mm. you're not only taking care of other people, you're taking care of yourself. Because most of the time we take care of other people, we don't see ourselves. So when the COVID happened, that was one thing that help me realize that taking care of you is a big thing yeah. too. Yeah. And that must be very important if your job is mm. looking after other people yes. all the time. That, that is one um, that was um, opening door for me to see it as well. So when COVID didn't happen, I didn't see it that way. I was more focused on, okay, go to work earn money, have a saving, you know, that was my my everyday goal. It's just that way. But when COVID happened, it made me realize that I have to take care of myself. Uh, you know, money is nothing, you know. Enjoy your life now and the moments you have with each other because time is so precious. That's a lovely point on which to end. Thank you very much, Naomi.
Listen to more stories from Making the Most of Now on Plains FM 96.9, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5 p.m. And get the podcast at plainsfm.org.nz, Spotify and Apple Podcasts.